talk about. I mean, we, we try and tell people, look, uh, the world is changing. There's nothing that's coming to an end. This isn't some crazy doom and gloom scenario, but let's be honest. The path to prosperity isn't paved in conjuring trillions of dollars out of thin air or going into debt. Um, uh, where, where are most of your listeners from? Um, America. Okay, generally from the United States. Yep. Look, in the United States, about a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. government released uh, its uh, essentially its financial report of the United States government. This is something that's published by the Government Accountability Office. This is publicly available data that is published by the U.S. government's own uh, own accounting office, basically its own internal uh, accountants, and they put together financial statements for the United States government. Just like financial statements for any business or bank, they have assets and liabilities. And so the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, adds up all the assets of the U.S. government, the highway system, every tank, every bullet, every uh, – you know, the, the president's jet and the national parks and the strategic oil reserve and all those things add up all together. And then they subtract the liabilities, all the debt, all the, all, all the different things, all the, the, the trade payables and, the, and, the, and, and all the, those different things that go into liabilities column, and they get essentially a net equity. It's the same thing as, 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 as you and I. I mean, we might have assets and liabilities, our house and cash versus credit card debt and so forth. We have a net worth. The net worth of the U.S. government is negative $17.7 trillion dollars. Which is worse than last year, which was minus $16.9 trillion. Now, this is assets minus liabilities. And, you know, people often say, well, you know, you can't, you know, it's, well, you, the U.S. government's in a lot of debt, but how do you value the highway system? And how, you, how do you value, you know, all the military equipment? Well, the GAO does that. And so it shows that they're, you know, that they're, they're completely and totally insolvent. And if you add unfunded liabilities, which they count as $42 trillion in terms of the shortfall in Medicare and Social Security, you're talking almost $60 trillion in negative equity. That's not prosperous. And so what we try and encourage people to say is, look, if you have all of your eggs in one basket, if you live and work and invest and own real estate and structure your business and have all of your employees and, and all these things all in the same you – know, it holds your capital and your savings and your retirement account and bank and so forth all in the same place and that place is a completely bankrupt and insolvent country, you're really taking on a lot of risk. And essentially – Currencies are really all about confidence. Uh, reserve currencies are used widely throughout the world when people have confidence in the reserve currency. Where mm. people start to lose confidence in the reserve currency, they start seeking alternatives. That's exactly what's happening right now. Uh, we're seeing a large worldwide push to move away from the dollar as the reserve currency. There's very clear indications of this happening. The Chinese right now are setting up essentially two banks uh, to compete with uh, as, as a sort of global uh, you know, multilateral uh, development banks. Uh, most famously is the, um, uh, the Asian Development Infrastructure Bank uh, that just the other day, the United Kingdom – has decided that they want to be a founding member of China's Asian Development Inter uh, uh, Infrastructure Bank. Mm -hmm. So you've got now basically the number one ally of the United States government going and running into the arms of the Chinese uh, to sign up to join them in this essentially new China-dominated financial system that's away from the U.S. dollar-dominated financial system. Mm -hmm. um, every U.S. ally, the French, the Canadians, everybody has been – 
setting themselves up to essentially deal with the Chinese, to deal with the renminbi and move away from the dollar. So this is something that, again, it happens from time to time. There's always been in history dominant superpowers and dominant reserve currencies, and those change from time to time. Every dominant superpower that, that issues the dominant reserve currency in the world throughout history has always assumed that they can do whatever they want to do. The Byzantines thought that they could continue to debase the currency and the rest of the world would just deal with it. And they did for a while, and then they stopped, and they found another alternative. Um, the U.S. government thinks that they can print as much money as they want to, and the rest of the world will just deal with it. And the rest of the world has been dealing with it for some time, but now you know they're actively seeking alternatives. And everybody else seems to get it except for the U.S. government. If you look in the past, we had um, a housing bubble, and the housing bubble became a banking bubble, and the banking bubble became a bubble in government debt, and now what we have is that sort of trickled up the food chain to where we have a bubble in central banks now. There's not really anywhere else you can go. I mean, governments have basically imploded and, and, and have you know, started uh, their defaults and are in, in terminal crisis and so forth. We see this in Europe. We've seen this in Japan, where now the bubble has matriculated up the chain to central banks, and now we've got central banks – that are basically insolvent. Um, the Federal Reserve, which is the issuer of the United States dollar, is on a mark-to-market basis now insolvent. Um, even on a, uh, if you just look at their book value and you don't mark their assets to market, the capitalization level of the Federal Reserve, it's essentially net equity or net capital as a percentage of assets, uh, is about 1.26%. And it mm-hmm. declines just about every week when they release the H41 report every Thursday. Um, so... Where else do you go when central banks are basically insolvent? Governments are insolvent. Now that insolvency has matriculated up to the central bank level, well, you have to go to sort of a supranational central bank level. That's really the IMF. As you point out, $750 billion uh, you know, is, is, is what's in the coffer. But I mean, when you're talking about literally trillions and trillions on central bank balance sheets, uh, $750 billion is really just a, a, a drop in the bucket. There are not really any good options out there. And I think it starts with the premise of the financial system as it exists today, which is we have unelected central bankers that have been awarded totalitarian control over the money supply. Mm-hmm. Um, in controlling the money supply, they're essentially controlling the price of money. Uh, ergo, the interest rates. And if you control the price of money, then you essentially control the price of everything. And we see this is that as interest rates, the price of money rises and falls, it affects the price of everything from, you know, share prices on stock markets and bond prices and what people, you know, what governments and individuals and businesses pay for debt uh, to commodity prices and oil prices and so forth, uh, which in turn affect the price of global trade and, and, uh, you know, uh, retail consumer prices and so forth, agricultural commodities, all these things are affected and, There are so many – I mean there's just hundreds of millions, billions of moving parts in complex economies and and, uh, there are just, again, a handful of of bureaucrats who supposedly have their hands on all the levers trying to pull all the the levers and push all the buttons in the right order and make sure that nothing goes wrong. And that's a lot of – you know, responsibility to place on the shoulders of a couple of people, and we just sort of trust them to get it right. Right. And what's amazing is that, you know, the Wall Street Journal just released this poll to show that 70% of respondents had no earthly idea who Janet Yellen is, <laughs> you know, who, was, who was arguably the most powerful person in finance 
who is certainly the most powerful person in the U.S. dollarized financial system. Uh, and 70% of Americans have no idea who she is. They know who some you know, reality starlet is, but the person who essentially controls the value of their savings, they don't have a clue who that person is. And that's, to me, ultimately the kind of the failure in the system, which means there's, there are no good options out there when you're left with you know, essentially a government and a reserve currency that you can't trust versus a government and reserve currency that are completely insolvent. There's no good option there. Uh, and yeah. that's, I think, a, a fundamental failure in the system itself and not even necessarily any single government or central bank. That's really what concerns me um, is, is not only the level of risk that's out there, but how willing people are to accept the risks that are out there. And all this, to me, the insolvency in the central banks, the insolvency of governments, particularly in the West, the massive level of risk out there in the system, the willingness of people to go out and, and still invest in the system despite all the risks, all that suggests to me that there's something seriously wrong with the entire system. And again, if we go back and sort of look to history and take a really big picture view of the world, um, we can see that the financial system does change from time to time. Right. Uh, periodically throughout history, there's always there's always been major resets in the financial system. They've gone from one to another to another, and I believe that we're in the early stages of that, where we're coming to a time where nothing makes sense anymore, and down is up, and up is down, and negative yields and savers are now subsidizing borrowers instead of the other way around. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. They've completely broken the system. And that might work a little bit fine for a while, so long as everybody else is doing it. Maybe have people have some expectations that it's eventually going to be okay and so forth. But you look at the trends and central banks become more insolvent every month and governments become more insolvent every month and interest rates get even lower and Draghi's now going to – oh, now it's going to be a trillion, uh, over a trillion euros. And now we're going to take interest – we're going to ratchet interest rates down even more into negative territory and so on and so forth. And, and oh, now there's another you know, government shutdown looming and so forth. And none of this is moving in the right direction. And so there's a certain point where, again, I mean, you brought up Jim Rickard several times. Jim has a really great point where he talks about, you know, he's standing there in a room and, and he, he was in this uh, event of ours in Chile, about 550 people that we had in attendance. And he said, you know, if one of you gets up and just bolts out of the room, nobody's really going to notice. You know, five or 10 go, then maybe those 10 people that bolt out of the room, one person notices and follows along, you know, and so forth. There's a certain critical mass where if 50, 100, 150 people suddenly get up and head towards the door, that's going to be the tipping point where suddenly almost everybody else gets up and heads towards the door. There's several different types of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we fundamentally look within our uh, human nature, we have uh, the, let's say, the fear of loss. Uh, which is a huge driver. Obviously, that's uh, what in many cases risk perception is all about. Am I going to lose when I make this investment? But we're also uh, seeing right now an even greater fear, and that's the fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing right now is that the fear of missing out is far greater than the fear of loss. Mm. Uh, This, to me, reflects uh, that we are in classic bubble territory. Um, and I agree the, you know, the fundamentals and so forth of the thesis are very sound. Nobody has a crystal ball. Um, I would encourage people, uh, I don't, I don't encourage anybody to go out and 
sell everything and uh, you know put 100% of their assets in gold or anything like that. That's sort of the thing is that uh, the, a view that the financial system is over-leveraged and the banks are insolvent and governments are insolvent and so forth somehow seems to suggest that uh, this is conflated with a notion that you should be 100% in gold or something like that. And mm. I don't necessarily see that to be the case at all. Um, I'm not necessarily a gold bull uh, myself. I own some gold, uh, but it's not necessarily some huge portion of my own personal savings or portfolio. I think the best description for gold is really uh, a conscious decision to not own you know, paper currency, to not be a paper bull. Right. Um, but more importantly, I would just encourage people to go back to Benjamin Graham and find the margin of safety. If the assets that you're invested in are at all-time highs, there's very little margin of safety. And I would encourage people, if you're looking for something, we all have something, you have to do something with our money. If mm. we put it in markets, we're buying it at all-time highs, there's very little margin of safety. If we buy bonds, we're loaning money to bankrupt governments at negative yields. This is crazy. If we hold it in a bank, we're, you know, we're essentially loaning money to a bank, uh, which, by the way, is poorly uh, capitalized and highly illiquid and is paying us rates that are far below the rate of inflation on a tax-adjusted, inflation-adjusted basis. Holding money in a bank guarantees that you're going to lose money. Mm-hmm. So when everything that you're doing is risky and or guarantees that you're going to lose money, what is somebody supposed to do? Um, I would encourage folks to go out and find the areas where there are still actually margins of safety. And that might actually require people go out and do things that are a little bit outside the mainstream. When all Mm. the mainstream options, again, are inherently risky and or guarantee that you're going to lose money, uh, uh, I would encourage people to listen to that little voice where the fear of loss uh, might actually need to trump the fear of missing out and find those investments where there are margins of safety. And I think there are plenty that are still uh, out there for people that are willing to look. Um, there are a lot of different sectors out there uh, and in different areas of the world uh, where you can still buy a lot of value and there are substantial margins of safety. Junior mm-hmm. mining sector uh, is one example where you know, we find that there are still a lot of companies out there that are trading for less than the value of cash they have in the bank and in some cases are even profitable. You're talking mm-hmm. about a profitable company uh, that is trading for less than the cash that it has in the bank. If I have to choose between buying a company for less than the cash it has in the bank and is cash flow positive versus buying in at some company that's trading at an all-time high and, you know, you know whatever, Netflix that's 77 times earnings, right. uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a company that's trading for less than the cash it has in the bank because there's a much greater margin of safety there. And if all it does is just return to the level of cash it has in the bank, then I'm probably going to double my money. Um, and, you know, it's, it, if it's, you know, if it falls and there's significant value there as a margin of safety. I think that's a safer bet. Mm. There are other markets in the world. I'm down here uh, right now talking to you in Chile. Uh, you know, the Chilean stock market is, 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 uh, is heavily undervalued. Mm. Uh, the Russian stock market is extraordinarily undervalued. You can buy entire companies uh, for far less than their book value that are paying 7, 8, 10% you know, dividend yields and so forth. Um, you know, there's there's risk in everything that we do. And the problem is, is that I think that the system has essentially squashed any notion of risk versus reward. And now it's essentially all risk and very little reward. And yet that little voice inside says, don't miss out, don't miss out. And the fear of missing out has completely trumped the fear of loss. I would, again, just encourage people to look at some of these different areas where there's still opportunities to find that margin of safety 
and you just still so, so it, it sort of writes people back onto the risk versus reward curve. You can actually uh, generate decent rates of return without having to take on extraordinary amounts of risk. And though, again, those opportunities are out there. If you're in equities, there are equity opportunities. If you're into real estate, there are a lot of really great property opportunities out there. I mean, I look at this stuff all the time as I travel around the world. Again, right. one of the reasons why I travel uh, so much. And I, I look at places, I find places where um, you know we're we're into uh, agricultural property right mm. now. We're doing we're buying uh, thousands of acres of uh, productive agricultural property it's something that uh, generates significant cash flow being able to generate 20 30 40% returns uh, you know now you know being able to backstop that with real assets in, in uh, which resi- countries or areas in, in south america okay and that's what I'm saying. I would encourage people instead of saying just like, "Oh, let's just throw money into the market," and you know, because we don't want to miss out on you know, maybe the S and P runs up another twenty percent. I would just tell people, look, there are other opportunities that are out there that aren't in the mainstream. You're not going to turn on CNBC and listen to Jim Cramer telling you about you know whatever where these where there are real margins of safety out there, but there are places out there where you can invest. If you're into real estate, there are options in real estate. If you're into equities, there are options in equities. There are even options um, with bonds. Uh, there's, uh, there's some, I was just out in, in Singapore. There are some companies that are basically de facto owned by the government of Singapore, uh, which is a government with zero net debt, washed with cash, has some of the largest sovereign wealth funds in the world. Um, these, so these companies are basically guaranteed by the Singapore government and they're paying you know, 5% in U.S. dollars. You know, if I have to choose between that or paying, you know, essentially negative interest rates and certainly negative inflation adjusted interest rates, you know, I'm going to go with 5%.